from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Monday edition, Vice President Kamala Harris went to the border on Friday, but she was pretty defensive about the fact that it took her three months to get there. The important aspect of this visit is leading this visit after the work that we did in Guatemala and Mexico. Because as I've long said, I said back in March I was going to come to the border, so this is not a new plan. Texas Congressman Chip Roy joins us in just a moment. You know what? We've become accustomed to NBA and NFL athletes hating on America while they rake in millions of dollars from America's oppressive capitalist system. But now we have Olympic athletes who are supposed to be representing America turning their back on the anthem saying, quote, it doesn't speak for me. But you know what? If you don't like what America stands for, go compete for another country. Go to China. Go to Russia. Go to anywhere, but don't represent the rest of us who are actually grateful for America. Ken Blackwell joins us for more on this topic. And you can tell we have a serious problem in our nation when Congress, in its oversight responsibility, has to ask the Secretary of Education if he knows how many genders there are. This document gives an example of harassment which is a teacher telling students that there are only two genders, boys and girls. Before we start penalizing teachers for stating a genetic and biological fact about genders, can you please clarify for the committee how many genders there are? That was Congresswoman Mary Miller. Stay tuned to the response that she got from Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona. Speaking of the crisis in government education, the Supreme Court today announcing it would not take a case that would have dealt with part of the transgender student issue of safety and privacy in our schools. FRC educational expert Meg Kilgannon is here. We'll also be talking about solutions like tomorrow's school board boot camp. So don't miss that conversation coming up later on this edition of Washington Watch. Also, the Bible repeatedly says that we're to guard our hearts. Why? Well, out of our hearts flow the issues of life. So if we want to change someone's actions, we need to change their heart. FRC has a new publication out on how to change the hearts and minds of your family and friends on the issue of life. It's entitled, How to Change Your Pro-Choice Friend's Heart. Mary Sox, later on Washington Watch, joins me for a discussion of this new pamphlet. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you uh, like more information, there's lots of resources there. Just click on um, episode resources, and you'll scroll down. You can see all the stuff that uh, is available for you today, including uh, more information. We're going to talk about it later, but tomorrow's school board boot camp. Also, we're just a couple of days remaining. There's just a couple of days remaining in our uh, fiscal year. And so if you would like to partner with us to make sure that Washington Watch continues on the airwaves of America so that you have a source of information and as you support the Family Research Council, you have a voice here in our nation's capital. We've got team members standing by to take your phone call. 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008 during the course of today's program. Also, you can make an online donation by going to 
TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I, uh, I mentioned this past Friday, Vice President Kamala Harris made her first trip to the southern border um, since becoming vice president. Now, this was 93 days after President Biden appointed her as the border czar. And only after thousands upon thousands of illegal immigrants have already streamed into our nation at levels not seen in two decades. So did she present a solution to the problem? Joining me now to talk more about this, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. Uh, Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, good to be on. How are you? I'm doing quite well. So um, long awaited, three months to get there. I don't know if she was walking or what, but she got there 93 days after she was appointed as the czar of the immigration crisis. What took her so long and what did she solve while she was there? Well, I mean, you'd have to ask her what took her so long. She obviously apparently had trouble finding the southern border on the map and find a way to get there. Once she got there, she offered no solutions. She went and had a couple of photo op uh, kind of meetings, uh, went to a Border Patrol facility, uh, met with some you know migrants who are at the Border Patrol facility. Well, I mean, no kidding. I mean, there, we've got tens of thousands of them. Uh, went to a one port of entry, which, of course, has no nothing to do with the crisis. And for the most part, was in and out on her way to Los Angeles. It was a pit stop, literally, in El Paso on the way to Los Angeles in order to check a box because we've been putting pressure and heat on her. And then President Trump announced that he would be at the border on Wednesday. Now, I'm going to be proud to be down at the southern border with uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, with former President Trump and a number of my colleagues, uh, because we all understand what's actually going on. Now, we're going to go to McAllen because as the former president and the governor and myself and the rest of us, as we all know, that's where the crisis is. Uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president, uh, either doesn't know or doesn't care. I think it's the latter. I think it's purposeful. And uh, they're apparently totally fine with 700,000 apprehensions since January 1, 7,500 pounds of fentanyl, operational control of the border by terrorist organizations that are uh, run under the names of cartels. Uh, we should designate them as the terrorists that they are. Uh, and uh, I could go on and on about how bad uh, the impact is on the American citizens and why this administration is completely at fault and has no solution or desire to fix it. Congressman, you talk about the criminal activity that's taking place. I'm not talking about people who are crossing illegally. I'm talking about the the drugs, the human trafficking yeah. that's taking place. And in part of her deflection, the vice president said that, uh, you know, she earlier went to Guatemala, went to Mexico to understand and deal with what was driving these issues. Uh, she's only talking about those who are seeking maybe economic opportunity in the country. She's not dress, addressing the criminal aspect, the dangerous elements that are crossing the border to do harm in America. Well, I mean, look, there's an enormous amount of crime that is going on. Talk to ranchers in South Texas. Uh, talk to the Vargas family who two years ago lost their son, Jared, in San Antonio. It was somebody who had been uh, caught, released, caught, released, caught, released, and then ended up killing this young man, this Texan. Uh, and, and what a wonderful family they are. And they, they represent what Texans actually feel and see. And now what we've seen over the last five or six months is an escalation of what is occurring. And you've got the cartel Jalisco New Generation, which is absorbed, essentially, the Reynosa faction, the Gulf Cartel, and the cartel Don Noreste of Los Zetas. They operate more in Nuevo Laredo. And uh, they, they're a really dangerous cartel who move human beings for profit. Now, listening to the vice president talk about, you know, compassion, 
talk about, oh, I'm going to go to Guatemala to understand what's going on. Like, you don't need to go to Guatemala to understand what's going on. What's going on is you and your president are putting neon signs at our border saying, come on in. Literally, they're actually putting uh, literal signs that say a silo on a piece of paper uh, up on trees with an arrow pointing migrants to go claim asylum in processing centers when well over 90 percent of those individuals do not qualify for asylum. Uh, the fact is, and I've talked to them, Tony. I went down to the Rio Grande. I've talked to dozens, hundreds, actually, in the end of migrants at the Rio Grande. Ask them what they're doing, why they're coming, and to a T. They all say jobs. They all ch- say, talk about the economic uh, uh, reality of what they're dealing with in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. And look, I get it. I don't blame them. Most of them were wanting to come here and work. But you've got dangerous elements coming in between the ports of entry. We stopped 10 individuals who had uh, previous records for uh, abusing minors and sex trafficking and so forth. We've caught numerous cartel entities that are doing this for profit. We've stopped, we stopped somebody in the San Antonio suburbs who's an American citizen, employee of one of the cartels, moving nine immigrants to go put them in a stash house in order to run them into the sex trafficking and human trafficking uh, industry, which includes pornography and, and child and slave labor. This is happening in our country, and it's the Democrats' fault. I want to be very uh, clear and, and, and don't beat around the bush about it. Congressman uh, Chip Roy, let me ask you this question, because she she made this comment. The vice president said in her press conference there uh, for her half day trip to the border, she said, quote, in five months, we've made progress. There's still more work to be done, but we've made progress. Um, Can you help me uh, point to the progress? There's been literally no progress. Look. We make a lot of political shots in this town and this game. You've been around this for a long time, Tony. Uh, you can take shots at your counterparts on the other side of the aisle. I, I have defied, and I look, I have challenged the vice president to a debate for the better part of a month and a half. I am happy to debate her anywhere, anytime in this country, her, or wherever she wants to go. So long as that the American people can see her lack of answers to what this administration has done. She won't do it because a, you know, average high school debate team would clean her clock because they literally have done nothing. They have uh, completely abandoned our Title 42 policies to stop the flow of people uh, with communicable diseases like we have in this pandemic across our border. They have stopped the return to Mexico uh, arrangement that the previous president had worked out. They are not uh, enforcing any of our asylum laws the way they should be enforced or providing the resources necessary for Border Patrol or judges to deal with that and to send a signal around the world. And as a result, we have massive amounts of fentanyl coming in, and we have people dying. The reason Ron DeSantis set resources to help Texas, besides recognizing the importance of a secure border to a sovereign nation, is that the opioid epidemic throughout our country, including Florida, is directly a consequence of the narcotics flowing across our southwest border. He knows it. Governor Abbott knows it. You know it. I know it. Every American knows it. But unfortunately, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden don't care. They care about partisan politics rather than the American people or the migrants who seek to come here, Tony. So at this point, going forward, how do we fix this problem? We can fix this problem in a matter of days, literally. We could pass legislation that would fix asylum on one piece of paper in a day. We could fix catch and release with one piece of paper and pass it in a day. We could do the same thing for the other loopholes in our system. We could enforce Title 42 and have a return to Mexico program that worked. We could provide additional resources, finish the fence, secure our border, and have operational control within a year with adding those uh, physical uh, uh, infrastructure that we could add to it. 
We could do all of that like this. It's only about having the willpower to do it. The idea that this is somehow complex is absolutely insane. You could fix our asylum laws so that people who are truly seeking asylum because they're being persecuted. Like, Tony, you and I as Christians, we don't blame the migrants who want to come here and seek a better life. We certainly right. want to help people who are being actually persecuted for their faith or for what they believe or whatever situation they're in politically. But that's not what this is about. This is about wide open borders, which endangers us. And importantly, as a Christian, I want to say this repeatedly, it endangers the migrants who seek to come here, the little girls getting abused, the cartels that are empowered, and it endangers the American citizens who are getting whacked with an opioid epidemic and dangers now in South Texas and our ranches and elsewhere. Final question for you, uh, Congressman Chip Roy. Can we find bipartisan support for that? Look, I think there's some increasing belief, particularly, look, we just saw a Republican win mayor in McAllen, Texas, for the first time in 75 years or so. We've seen Henry Cuellar, my friend, Democrat. Uh, he and I have introduced legislation on a bipartisan basis to clear cane and provide additional roads and infrastructure along the river. Uh, there's an interest, I think, increasingly, as we've seen many Hispanics flock to former President Trump and flock to Republican policies that are uh, about actually securing our border. By the way, heavily Hispanic populations who want to see us do this because they understand that it matters for their communities now. So, yes, there is hope, but not as long as you've got radical leftists running the White House, and that's what's happening right now. All right. Well, uh, thanks for continuing to shine a light on this, and I'd like to talk when you get back from uh, the border later in the week. Happy to do it, Tony, and happy to talk about any of the other issues all the time. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. All right. Don't go away. Uh, Ken Blackwell is here next as we take a look at uh, Olympic athletes dissing the anthem. I thought they represented America. When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for his kingdom, to grow us and to bring us closer to him. God's word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps. 
Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org slash worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. We've got uh, team members standing by to take your call. If you'd like to partner with us, uh, we're coming up to the end of our fiscal year, June the 30th. And uh, we'd love to have you partner with us because the only way we're here is because of folks like you all across America. 800-225-4008, 800-225-4008. All right, the NFL, we kind of got accustomed to the NFL. The NBA had, um, you know, these uh, players disrespecting the national anthem, you know, all that America stood for while they were driving their luxury cars to the bank to cash their million-dollar checks. Yeah, figure that one out. But the Olympics, it, it, it's always been kind of different. I mean, maybe you remember my, my idea of the Olympics. And there was a time when I was a big sports fan. I played football and uh, ran track and did things when I was in high school. But then I'm not a spectator. But I, I recall watching the Olympics and and, and how – proud Americans were to rally around uh, the flag. I mean, remember, some of you may have watched the movie, may not have seen the actual event in the 19, in 1980, uh, the Miracle on Ice, when the U.S. hockey men's hockey team beat the Russians. I mean, it was a huge thing. I think it was like four to three. And Americans celebrated. They carried the flag around. It was just, it was, it made people proud to be Americans. Of course, we were in the Cold War competing against the Russians. But today we have Olympic athletes like Gwen Berry, who over the weekend, she's the hammer thrower. Um, I'm not going to go there. But so while she was winning her bronze, they played the national anthem and she turned her back on the anthem, put a, uh, a, a covered her face with a T-shirt that had the term activist athlete. Now, all right, if you don't like America, if you hate what America stands for, in fact, I've got a, a brief clip I, w- I want to play of, uh, of her, of a comment she made. This was an interview post her uh, display of disdain for America when she was receiving the bronze. Let's play uh, that clip me being able to represent my communities and my people and those who have died at the hands of police brutality, those who have died to this system, systemic racism. Um, I feel like that's the important part. 
Joining me now to talk more about this, a former athlete himself, uh, as well as the mayor of Cincinnati, secretary of state uh, for the state of Ohio, our good friend, Ken Blackwell. Ken, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Good to be with you, sir. So, Ken, should we expect more of Olympic athletes? I mean, these are individuals who have the privilege of competing in this international arena representing the United States of America. Absolutely, Tony. And as you know, um, uh, the Olympics are sort of in my DNA. My great uncle was a world champion. He set the world record in the 1924 games. His name was Deard Hubbard. Uh, America was not perfect, but it was perfectible. And he proudly not only established uh, the world record in the long jump, he, in fact, proudly stood on the stand uh, because he knew that America was the shining city on the hill. Again, while not perfect, it, it, it was perfectible. And, Tony, in 245 years, this young lady doesn't have a sense of the greatness, the uniqueness of America. And that's, that's a shame because there are a lot of folks who died. As you know, I'm a, a member of the Board of Trustees of the World War II Museum, and when I think of the people who gave their lives so that freedom could be advanced and an opportunity, opportunity society could flourish for young people like her. I mean, it, it, it's an embarrassment. These kids are so self-centered that they don't have a sense of national loyalty. And that's, and that's a shame because in 245 years, our constitutional republic is the most robust, the most free uh, in all of human in all of human history, and it's a shame that she's missed this opportunity to, in fact, stand on that podium as an American who is dedicated to making America even better, as opposed to trying to shame America on the world stage. Hey. Texas Congressman Dan Crenshaw says that uh, Gwen Berry should be removed from her uh, from the Olympic team because of the antics that she engaged in over the weekend. Do you agree? Well, I think that one that that's that's an opinion that that's going to be advanced. It's going to be shared by many Americans. What I what I will do is any opportunity I have, I will say shame on you, Gwen. You in fact missed an opportunity to make a statement to the world that you, in fact, were competing for a nation that has just gotten better and better, freer and freer in all of its 245-year history. And I will do whatever I can to shine a spotlight of shame on that behavior. You know, one of the benefits of living in this country is the freedom of speech. Uh, you know, you don't have the freedom to do the license to do anything that you want. You have the freedom to speak, and I have the freedom to condemn that behavior and that speech, and I will do it day in, day out. I mean, Ken, I think a lot of Americans are getting tired of this, where you have these individuals that have been very successful. I mean, she's a, she's a, a, an Olympic athlete. You have Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris. You had uh, Barack Obama, uh, African-American. But, but then they use those platforms to talk about how, 
uh, America continues to have systematic racism. I mean, you, you, you as an African-American have been successful in so many fronts. America, as you have pointed out, is a land of opportunity. And, and it's almost antithetical that they would be in these positions, but then condemn America when they've been successful. It's, oh, it's, absolutely. And so many of them have Nike sh- shoes on. You know, <laughs> yeah. how crazy is that? True. Yeah, true. Built by, uh, made by uh, slave labor in, uh, in China. Absolutely. Kim Blackwell, thanks so much for joining us. Sorry we ran out of time. Always great to talk with you. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about how do you change the hearts and minds of your friends that are on the wrong side of the life issue? Well, FRC has a new resource out that can help you in that process. Mary Sox is here next to uh, to lead us to a, a new publication that can be helpful in changing hearts and minds on this important issue. Don't go away. We're back after this. Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org slash blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAN to 67742, and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAN to 67742, and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you at the website. All right, and uh, again, we have uh, team members standing by to take your call. If you'd like to partner with FRC to make sure that Washington Watch continues on the airwaves of America, give us a call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. And uh, still to come, we're going to be talking with Meg Kilgannon. We're going to be talking about tomorrow's school board boot camp. 
Uh, still time to sign up and be a part of that, I think. Uh, but uh, stand by. We'll be talking with Meg in a moment. Now, most of us um, have probably at least one friend or family member who is on the other side of the abortion issue. Uh, a name of, uh, I'm sure someone, a name of someone comes to mind. You know, as Christians, we're called to defend the weak. We're to uh, speak truth in love. We are uh, to advocate for the unborn. We must do so in a way that is both truthful and loving so that people will listen, both for their own benefit and for the benefit of the unborn and for society as a whole. Well, FRC has a brand-new publication covering how best to change the hearts and minds of those who are on the other side of this issue. Joining me now to uh, to talk about this, Mary Sock. She is the author of this publication. She is the director of the Center for Human Dignity. Okay, well, I'm just told she's not with us just yet. Okay, well, we'll get her. Um, this will inform you as to how you can have these conversations to change the uh, the hearts and minds of people. You know, this is, I've, I've watched this over the years, because when I entered politics a quarter of a century ago, 25 years ago, this was a very controversial issue. It still remains controversial for, for many, but not nearly as it used to be. And a lot of it is because of conversations that people have had. Of course, technology has helped tremendously as uh, people have had a view inside the womb Technology and, of course, advancing uh, the age of viability, all of those things have factored in tremendously. But I, I think one of the areas that has had the most significant impact is the conversations that have taken place between friends in our churches and, most significantly, in crisis pregnancy centers or care pregnancy centers across the country, where counselors, women, many of them who themselves have gone through uh, abortion and the trauma that's associated with it, have had conversations and, and uh, counseled with these um, uh, women to help them through the, uh, the, the decision. And in talking with them, seeing the humanity and removing the barriers that are between the two sides, has been powerful in, I think, changing people's hearts and minds. In fact, even the left has acknowledged this, that hearts and minds are being changed by the compassionate care and conversations that are taking places, taking place all across America. I think we have Mary now. Mary, do we, are, are you with us? I'm with you. Good. All right. So, so tell our listeners, uh, Mary, very quick. Tell them, tell them about the new publication, "How to Change Your Pro-Choice Friend's Heart." Well, well over the last, over nine, the last months, nine months, I've been pregnant, and um, that's been quite an experience. And I've learned that people are naturally pro-life. They're they're naturally excited when they see a pregnant woman. Um, the number of people who tell me, "Both of you have a good day today." Um, it's just shocking. So when we have conversations with people who are not pro-life, I think that it's because of some sort of hurt that's related to abortion. And and we know from Guttmacher that 19% of women have had an abortion by the age of 20. That's, that's a shocking number. And that 
percentage means that there's a shocking number of grandparents of, of husbands or fathers of brothers and sisters who have all been hurt by abortion. So I wanted to create a resource for talking to this pain, for helping people to reason through why abortion is wrong while addressing this painful issue. So you, um, this publication kind of lays out uh, five major points to keep in mind when talking about abortion. Give us those top two, and then we're going to be up against a break, but I'm going to ask you to hold on for a moment. So what, what, what's our top two issues? First thing that you need to do is pray. First, ask God for assistance in this. He's the one who's capable of changing hearts. And the second is to listen, to really listen not be formulating your answer while the person is responding to you, but instead to just really pay attention and hear the pain that they're feeling and then address that. Well, those are uh, two practical pieces of advice that can work on any issue. Um, number three, I think we've got time. What's number three? The third thing that we need to do is stick to the facts. We need to make sure that we always know what is going on in the abortion issue. But but to recognize that the Holy Spirit is going to guide the conversation. And so we really just need to be open to his prompting. All right. Uh, Mary, stay right there. We're going to come back on the other side of the break and get the, uh, the remaining two points to remember. When uh, talking about this issue of the sanctity of human life and abortion, with friends who may be on the other side of the issue. Mary Sock, my guest, she is the author of a new publication, How to Change Your Pro-Choice Friend's Heart. You can actually get that at TonyPerkins.com. You follow the links over. Also, still to come, Meg Kilgannon is here as uh, we talk about the Secretary of Education. Not quite sure how many genders there are. Amazing. We've got some real issues in education. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more after this. What is religious freedom and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. 
Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marshall Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. Perkins, this is Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. All right, and uh, we still have team members standing by to take your call. If you'd like to partner with FRC, make a financial contribution to make sure that Washington Watch continues and that Family Research Council remains a voice for biblical values here in our nation's capital, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008, as we're just couple of days away from the end of our fiscal year. All right, we were talking with Mary Sock. She is the director of the Center for Human Dignity here at the Family Research Council. A new publication out, How to Change Your Pro-Choice Friend's Heart on this Fundamental Critical Issue of the Sanctity of Human Life. Publication available for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the, li- the links over. Okay, Mary, we got uh, one, two, and three. Let's go to... Uh, Point four and five in terms of things to remember when you're talking about this issue with family and friends. I think one, I think of, the one of the major things, things to, remember. to remember is to share real life stories. Abortion ends a person's life and sharing the lives of people who've been impacted by abortion is incredibly powerful. We include some of these stories in our publication. They include the story of Anna Rodriguez a little girl who, or now a woman, but when she was a baby girl, her mother had an abortion at 32 weeks. The abortion failed, and little Anna was born with only part of her arm. Um, This is a real person who was impacted by abortion. The story of Melissa Odin, who is the famous abortion survivor who likewise lived through an abortion and is here today to tell the tale. And the stories of the countless women who have had abortions and have cha- had had a change of heart, have received forgiveness from God and experienced his mercy, and have gone on to work to change the abortion laws across the, our country and to bring others closer to Christ through that. One of the things we often hear 
from people on the other side of this issue is I, I'm personally, you know, I, I, I'm pro-life, but I don't want to impose my religious views on others. How, how would you respond to that? I think one major thing is to point out it's not imposing views on someone. It's allowing humankind to flourish. We don't believe that abortion is wrong because we want to impose our viewpoint on it. We believe abortion is wrong because it's a crime against humanity, because it's a crime against God. And and we want people to flourish. So anyone who is not willing to, quote unquote, impose their views on abortion on others is really just opposed to mankind flourishing. Yeah, because all of society benefits when we have a respect for human life, not just for it's it's not just in the womb, but as we respect the most innocent and vulnerable, it has a domino effect. And the reverse is true. If we don't respect and protect that life, it has a negative effect on uh, the way we view other lives. Uh, Finally, uh, Mary, again, how can our listeners get their own copy of this? On our website, frc.org, how to change your pro-choice friend's heart. All right, uh, Mary Sock, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Uh, well done. Good, uh, good publication. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. So, folks, I encourage you to get a copy of this. It's, uh, it's, it's good to have as a resource as you have these conversations, and hopefully you're having them because we've got to change the hearts and minds of people on so many things. And and by the way, that is uh, one of the, um, I haven't really talked about this. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but our Center for Biblical Worldview that we recently launched, uh, that's all designed to help you engage on these issues that are biblical at their core, like one we're going to talk about here in just a moment, help you to understand what the Bible has to say about it. And with that confidence, you can stand boldly on those issues. And so if you'd like to keep up with the publications coming out of our Center for Biblical Worldview, I'm going to put up a, uh, a number here to text me. Text the word worldview to 67742. That's 67742, the word worldview. And uh, that way we'll connect you with our Center for Worldview, uh, Biblical Worldview, and you'll be getting that information to uh, to help you understand and talk about these issues. Okay, all right, I want to transition now to another issue. This is what I'm talking about, biblical uh, worldview issues. In fact, if you're in our Bible reading today, we were in Matthew chapter 18 and chapter 19, where Jesus uh, gives a pretty straightforward lesson on gender. He says, have you not read from the beginning that God created them male and female? Well, Uh, the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, would have done well had he read that before a committee hearing last week when he was asked by a member of Congress uh, as to how many genders there are. Now, Congressman Mary Miller of Illinois asked him this question, and I'm going to play a clip of this for you. Let's play... uh, that clip, please. Your department recently released this resource for students and families 
called Confronting Anti-LGBTQI Plus Harassment in Schools. This document gives an example of harassment, which is a teacher telling students that there are only two genders, boys and girls. Before we start penalizing teachers for stating a genetic and biological fact about genders, can you please clarify for the committee how many genders there are? So I, I know what you're asking, but I'm going to get to the root of what you're asking. I feel very strongly that as educators, we are, it's our responsibility to protect all students. You, you used as an example of harassment a teacher who stated there are only two genders, male and female. That's a genetic and biological fact. That is an example you are you're under your leadership that you are putting out to people. How many genders are there? How would you uh, respond to a student who uh, is non-binary in your classroom? But how many genders are there? Will you please state? I won't be answering your question. You can continue the line of question. So he would not answer the question, would not or could not. Um, very interesting. I mean, this is the head of the Department of Education in the United States of America, and he could not state a biological reality and fact. Joining me now to talk more about this is uh, Meg Kilgannon. She's a senior fellow for education studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. So um, he, he couldn't or wouldn't answer the question. I think he wouldn't answer the question. He acknowledged that he knew exactly what she was asking him, and he refused to answer how many genders there are. We all know that there are two sexes. God created them male and female, as you read from scripture, but that's not the only source. <laughs> that's, that fact is confirmed by plenty of science, by DNA, chromosomes. I mean, this is, this is the way things are. So when he talks about, you know, he asked uh, Congresswoman Miller how she would respond to a non-binary student in her classroom. I mean, this is, she, he, and I like how they use these terms, you know, non-binary. I mean, someone who does not identify exclusively as a male and a female. Well, they don't identify. But just because you don't identify doesn't mean that you're not. As you pointed out, it's a biological reality. Correct. I mean, I'm sure that the teacher would respond to a non-binary student the same way she would respond to any other student who's there to learn. They would be encouraged to focus on the material and not necessarily on themselves. It appears to me that our education system in America has been consumed with the whole issue of human sexuality. That we're, we're talking about, we're defining ourselves by our sexual identities, our sexual activities. Uh, we want special arrangements uh, for people based on this. In fact, the Supreme Court, uh, uh, the Supreme Court today decided it would not hear an appeal of a school board in uh, Virginia that uh, goes back several years on a transgender student that wanted access. He was a female, wanted access to the boys' uh, locker rooms and bathrooms. The court sidestepped that, only meaning that this thing's going to continue. 
But this is becoming a real problem for parents. If they really want our, their kids to be educated, it, it, to me, what, what our public education system, our government education system, to me, appears to be a cesspool of nothing more than sexual confusion. Well, they certainly are currently run by some folks who don't share our values. And, in fact, they don't only not share them, they completely reject them and won't answer any questions informed by them. And so what we need to do is to infuse a little of our thinking or a lot of our thinking into this system that is completely dominated by only one kind of thinking. It's liberal or progressive, whatever name you want to call it. There's one kind of thinking, and they're not able to see how out of touch they are with reality. Well, they're uh, they're seeing it as more and more parents are showing up to these school board meetings and parents are running for the school boards. Of course, the left is saying that's all manufactured outrage, but uh, I would beg to differ with them. Uh, we want to aid in that effort and to help change public education, you've got to do something different. That is bringing a new perspective into education. The only the way that happens is if we get into it. And that's what we're proposing. As more and more parents are fed up, we're saying, don't just get angry, make a difference, get involved. And you're going to be giving some tools tomorrow to help them do that. Talk to our listeners about that. We're so excited about our school board boot camp tomorrow. We have a fantastic program set up for everyone. It's going to run from 1230 to 430, which I know is a long time, but it's going to take a long time to fix our schools. I know that many of the people that are listening are gravely concerned about this crisis in the public schools. And we have a wonderful lineup of speakers, school board members who are going to talk to us about their experiences issue experts who are going to talk about things like critical race theory and human sexuality and school discipline. We're going to tell you how to run a campaign. And then we're going to follow up with some information from parents who are not manufactured. (laughs) They're actual parents who are starting packs and running groups and running recalls and getting ready to take back these school boards. So uh, how do people find out more about this? How can they be a part of it? They can go to frcaction.org to find the legislation link. Uh, We'd love to have you there tomorrow. We've had over a 1,000 people sign up for this event that we we put on very quickly. It's been available for just one week, and we've had that many parents sign up in that length of time. That's not manufactured, Tony. That is real. No, and I've, I've seen it. We've gotten emails and uh, communications from across the country on uh, every platform we've been on. Uh, people are fed up. They're concerned um, with the agenda that is not just making its way into education. It's being driven in. And as you said, there, there's almost this outright hostility toward any other perspective. And it's become so intense that, uh, you know, I, I personally – and we've talked about this on the program before, I do not think our children should be in the government schools any longer. If you have any other option, homeschool your kids, put them in a private school, make the, you know, a Christian school, make those financial sacrifices. But Meg, even if you do that, you still have a responsibility to the public schools. You do. You must make sure that those schools are well run, no matter where your children are. 
and you have a responsibility to the children in your neighborhood who maybe don't have the same kind of options that we may have. Right. They will still be in public schools. They'll be working with your kids when they grow up. They'll be playing baseball, soccer, on the working for you. They'll be. That's right. They'll, they'll be, be working for you. Hopefully, they'll be the firemen, the policemen, the doctors, the, yeah. the nurses. They'll be the people that uh, they're in our community, and so we have a vested interest that they uh, are not indoctrinated with uh, this ideology of the left. We want them to know how to think not yeah. what to think. Absolutely. Meg Kilgannon, as always, great to have you on the program. Look forward to the boot camp tomorrow. I'll be there. I, I get to be one of the drill instructors, don't I? Yes, we can't wait to hear from you. All right, I'll be there tomorrow at uh, 1230. So I'll see you then. Thank you. Can't wait. All right, Meg Kilgannon here at the Family Research Council, a senior fellow on uh, education studies. To find out more about this boot camp and how you can be a part of it, go to TonyPerkins.com and follow the links over. By the way, I was just going to mention this. You know, if you're, uh, you say, well, I, I, my kids are homeschooled or my kids are in private school, um, you know, I don't have any, uh, I don't have, it'd be hard for me to get involved. I have a friend who, uh, he, they homeschooled their kids just like we did. But he ran and was elected to the school board in our community and actually served as chairman of the school board for, uh, for several years, bringing sanity to our schools. And we got a pretty good school system, still problems. I wouldn't put my kids in it, but it's better. Make a difference. Sign up. Be a part of tomorrow's school board boot camp. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action, for more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.